Welcome back to Sister Alley Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. And on today, we are going to talk about the book of Philippians, the letter of joy that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Now, beforehand, I told you that we I would talk about the book of Philippians and I would talk about the construction of the church. I decided to do the book of Philippians so I can uh, do more research on the deconstruction of the church. And um, another reason why, why I'm talking about the book of Philippians that is that I received the book of Philippians in the spirit. Yes, what happened was in the realm of the spirit in between sleep and awake, I heard Philippians, Philippians. Philippians and in my own spirit I begin to say the book of Philippians so therefore the Lord was letting me know that there's something in the book of Philippians for me to uh, gather for me to learn for me to glean and so I went to the book of Philippians of course to find out what the Lord wanted me to know uh, what he was speaking into my heart and um what he wanted me to research, what he wanted me to find out for myself. So I want to share that today with you, or I want to begin to share that with you on today, because most likely this will be um, broken up into series. I don't know how many episodes, but it will be broken up into series. Now, Philippians is only four chapters long, so it's a small book in the um, New Testament of the Bible, and you can go there and we can go along together. Now, um, this, not, this is not an exhausted uh, reading of the book of Philippians. It's not an in-depth reading of the book of Philippians. But I would like for you to go there for yourself and read in whatever version that you uh, desire to read it in. I like the King James Version because that's, that's just the way I, I learned the Bible. That's the way I was brought up in the Bible was the King James Version. Now, there are many versions that will break it down um, to give you a better understanding of uh, take away all the D's and the D's and the, the hard language of the King James Version. Uh, but me, myself, I learned it in the King James and I, I basically like the King James. Now, I'll go to other versions to get a, a, a clear understanding other than commentaries and other resources of that nature but I would like for you to go to the book of Philippians and see what the Lord is speaking to you today because there are some great information in the book of Philippians there's some um some great things that we as the church or we as um babes in Christ that we need to know and it is in the book of Philippians um so with that being said, let's go ahead and talk a bit about the book of Philippians, the letter of joy. Now, let me tell you, Paul was in prison and most um, most scholars say that he was in a Roman prison at the time that he wrote this letter to the Philippians. So let's see what Philippians has to say to us on today. Now, the book of Philippians is a warm, encouraging, and affirming book. There is a uniqueness to this letter 
in that it does not address major problems in the church as most of Paul's letters did. Now there is a joy found in each chapter and hence that's why it's called the letter of joy. There are no quotations from the Old Testament. Can you can you imagine that? No quotations from the Old Testament. And Christ is mentioned over 40 times in this book. So therefore I I can understand why it is called the letter of joy in that aspect because it's mainly uh, talking about Jesus Christ which that just brings a smile to my face just thinking about that right now and it is the most positive letter of all Pauline writings regardless of him being in prison so this is the most po positive letter that he's he's written <laughs> so no wonder it's another reason why it's called the book of joy because it is positive now Philippians is one of the uh, Paul's four shorter epistles uh, which includes I would say Philippians Ephesians Colossians and Philemon which most likely since the Lord has um, given me Philippians uh, we've already done Ephesians well at least Ephesians the sixth chapter so maybe we'll finish the rest of Ephesians and go to Colossians and Philemon which are very short epistles as well and see what the Lord has to tell us in those books as well now um, these these four books or four epistles were written while Paul was in prison in various stages of his life so they're very short and I believe that we can glean through these four epistles and find some good information and that's a good way for us to learn the Bible you know we want to start out with the smaller books when we're babes in Christ we want to start out with the smaller books and and see what we can gather and what we can learn from the smaller epistles or the smaller books of the Bible and then, then we can, you know, move up to bigger books. But I think it's very, very wise to smart to start out <laughs> with the smaller books of the Bible because we wanna we wanna learn and we wanna remember uh, scripture and we wanna remember what the Bible is telling us. So it's it's I think it's easier for us to start with the smaller books. So we'll know what the whole book is talking about. We'll know who wrote the book. We'll know why it was written and we'll know, um, you know, the background information. We'll know, you know, uh, the different points. You can say um, Bible points. We'll know the different points that's brought out in the, the scriptures. So that these are reasons why I say shorter, books of the Bible will be great for the babes in Christ to start out so we can learn because we want to learn the scripture and we want to be proficient at it and the Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God a workman not being ashamed being able to rightly divide the word so I think that is a great starting point if we don't start out in the Gospels which is another great starting point but if you've already um, read the Gospels and studied the Gospels and I think the next thing for you to jump on would be the shorter uh, 
chapters in the Bible. You can start out just like here with the Pauline letters, you know, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, or Philemon. Or you can even go to the Old Testament and read some of the shorter um, apostles. Um, prophets excuse me read some of the shorter books of the prophets on you know and just begin there and learn there and have get those under your belt and then tackle uh the big things or the big scriptures or the big chapters i would say like isaiah which is like my favorite old testament <laughs> book is the book of isaiah and which is a very long book but Again, I'm just rambling on, so let's get into the book of Philippians. Now, there are five significant features uh, that's characterized in this letter, or five significant features that I'm going to uh, bring out in this podcast that are characterized in this letter because someone else may find something different. But this is what we're going to talk about on today. Um, we talk about, we're going to talk about the five significant features here are the personal and affectionate. It's personal and it's affectionate. Paul is revealing the close relationship that he had with the Philippian believers. That's one. Uh, the second one is it is Christocentric, reflecting Paul's close relationship with Christ. Paul was very close in a sense with Christ we know that Paul did not walk with Christ but he knew Christ in the spirit so therefore it's very crystal centric and it shows us Paul's close relationship with Christ or I could say the love that he had for Jesus Christ now also it contains one of the most profound crystal Christological statements in the Bible <laughs> which is in uh, chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 which we will get to that later when we talk about chapter 2 so it contains one of the most profound Christological statements in the Bible and I can't wait for us to get to that and talk about it but you can go there yourself that's chapter 2 starting starting at verse 5 and it goes all the way to verse 11 go there and um, read it for yourself and when we get there uh, you have so much joy so much more joy when we talk about it now um, also Philippians it is a letter of joy which we've already made that statement and joy is talked about through throughout this whole book and it also, number five, it also, it presents a vigorous standard for the Christian life, which is living in humility as a servant, pressing earnestly toward our goals, rejoicing in the Lord always, experiencing freedom from anxiety, being content in all circumstances, and doing all things through the enabling grace of Jesus Christ. These are the five significant features that I want to um, for you to learn today. I want to be I want it to stand out for you on today. Personal and affectionate, Christocentric, profound Christological statement, letter of joy 
a vigorous standard of Christian life. So these are the five uh, significant features characterized in this letter. Now we know that the author of Philippians is Paul the Apostle. We know that the theme is joy in living in Christ and a little bit of the background. Now the church at Philippi was founded by Paul and his team which included Silas, Timothy, and Luke. Now Luke pastored the church at Philippi for the first six years and this is Saint Luke of the Gospel Luke, the physician that we're talking about. Now he was the pastor the first six years of the church at Philippi. Now there is a strong bond of friendship developed between Paul and the Philippian church. And we can find on several occasions that the church sent Paul financial help and contributed to his offering for distressed Christians in Jerusalem. Now that's a bit of the background of the book of Philippians. Now, we want to talk a little bit about the purpose of the book. Now, the letter was written to the believers as well as the bishops and the deacons. So it was written to everybody in the church. Paul was writing from prison, as we know, and most likely it was in Rome, to express his gratitude for their generous financial gift of supporting supporting him that was brought to him by Epaphroditus, a leader in the Philippian church. Now, as a rule, Paul would not take pay for preaching because he maintained himself by working as a tent maker, which was his trade. However, he did accept offerings from the Philippian church, and I can understand why. He loved them so dearly. Now, Paul wanted to assure the congregation of his joy of his joy of God's purpose in his imprisonment because he wasn't in, in prison at this time. But he, he, he got joy from it. And we'll talk about that once we get to the first chapter, when we talk about the first chapter. Paul had joy in his imprisonment. Now he reassured the church that Epaphroditus had fulfilled his task of bringing his gift, his financial gift to him and that he had recovered from his sickness. Now, Epaphroditus, when he brought the gift to Paul, he got very, very sick, and it was he was close to death in his sickness, and the church, of course, worried about him, but Paul was reassuring the church that, you know, he fulfilled his task in bringing that financial help, and that he has recovered from his sickness, which basically almost killed him. Now, also, Paul dealt with some church concerns and exhorted them to press on to know the Lord in unity, humility, fellowship, and peace. Now, there were a few concerns that he wanted to address, but they were not problems as he dealt with in different churches. Philippians was a pretty good church, I must say. Now, let's look at a little bit more about this letter. And like many of Paul's letters, uh, the Philippian letter was not written prim primarily due to church problems, but for his affection and his appreciation to the church. Isn't that awesome? How a church can come in unity and not only um, help uh, in the furtherance of the gospel, 
but help uh, the founder of the church, you know, as he is out and about in the world teaching the gospel, they're able to come together as one and render service, minister to his needs, and minister his need to his needs financially. So yes, and most likely, I don't know if they, you know, sent other other items to him other than finances. But I haven't dug that deep, which that's why I tell you this is not an exhaustive one. But I'm quite sure that they did send him other items other than finances. However, it's so awesome. And even if we look at it in the world today, now sometimes if you look at it today, you know, the, the gospel in that aspect and as in the aspect of finances has been very perverted in the world that we live in today. And because many have taken advantage of the people of God and many have uh, used finances that are given to the church in the wrong way uh, to um, basically, uh, I'm trying to find a way to say it and not say it in such a bad way, but they have used finances um, in the wrong way. And um, yeah, a lot of Christian believers today look at uh, the the gift of giving in a bad aspect. Now, the gift of giving, it's always been what was taught from the very beginning by Jesus Christ. It is good to give. And when you give, you give it as given unto God and not unto man. And once you give it un as you give in from your heart unto God, whatever man does with it, you've done your part. In other words, you're giving it to God. You're giving it from your heart as giving it to God for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've done that. You've done your part. Now, whatever man does with that, it is their responsibility. If they do right with it, then praise God. You have been a partaker in the furtherance of the gospel. If they do wrong with it, then that is on their hands. The blood is on their hands. The wrong is on their hands because they did not do with the gift of love, the gift of finances, what the reason you were giving it for. If they do not do what is right with that, then it is on them they will have to pay for their deeds when the Lord returns. So I wanted to make that extremely clear. When you give to God, you are giving it to God. Now, what man does with it, it's on them and they will pay for their deeds. I assure you, they will pay for their deeds. Now, if you know for a surety uh, that the individual or the the, the uh, establishment is um, evil and wicked and not right, then please do not give to that establishment. You know that you know for a surety that they are not furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not give to that establishment. Find an establishment that is truly doing the work of the Lord and give to that establishment. Okay, so I went on a rampage there, but let's get back to 
the book of Philippians. Now, many of Paul's letters, the Philippian letter was not written primarily primarily because of the ch of church problems but for affection and appreciation the philippian church was the purest of the new testament churches listen at that the philippian church was the purest so paul really really loved the philippian church because they were um they were adamant about living for the Lord and doing what is right. And that's the way we're supposed to be today. We are supposed to be pure. We're supposed to do the things that are right in the eyesight of God. And we, I don't know about you, but I want to be a vessel unto honor before God, not a vessel unto dishonor, which the scripture talks about. There are vessels unto honor and there are vessels unto dishonor. And I don't know about you. I want to be that pure vessel. I want to be that vessel unto honor. Yes, I have been or I have done some things and I have went down the wrong roads. Yes, I have. I am human. I am made from the dust of the earth as we are all. And we've talked about how the scripture tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. However, once we realize our wrong, once we have, once we realize our sin and our transgressions and our iniquities, and we turn away from those and we repent of those, then we can go on the journey of living a pure life and be, in a sense, like the church of Philippians, the purest church in the New Testament churches. Now, Paul addresses several minor issues of the church. There's discouragement over his prolonged imprisonment, which is normal. If you're a founder or your apostle has been in prison for a long time, yeah, you would be dis discouraged. And, and for what reasons? What were the reasons for him being in prison? No doubt for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So yeah, there's discouragement there. So he addresses their discouragement. Uh, he addresses tiny seeds of disunity between two women leaders in the church. So there was disunity uh, in the church between two leaders. So he wanted to address that very, very tiny seed because, you know, we have to be chastised. We have to, sometimes we get off on the wrong path and God has to come and put us on the right path. God has to come and open up our eyes to the wrong that we're doing. And Paul had to address this issue to get them back on the right path. He also addressed the ever-present threat of disloyalty in the church because of Judaizers. These were Jewish legalists. These were people that continued to adhere to the custom, customs of the Mosaic law. In other words, we know that the law was given unto the people to live by. 
but when Jesus came, Jesus, he didn't come to take away the law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to give us grace. He brought grace to us. And through Jesus Christ, you know, we were redeemed. So therefore, these people, the Judaizers, they continue to adhere to the customs of the Mosaic law. And they um, they were very uh, adamant about it. However, Jesus came to take away a lot of that. Uh, uh, vain sacrifices, if you will, sacrificing. Uh, Jesus came to take away a lot of that. And I don't want to get too deep into that since we're just doing a, a summary, a synopsis of what the Philippian uh, book of Philippians talks about. However, yes, he wanted them to, he wanted to address the ever present all the time present threat of disloyalty in the church because of the Jewish legalists, the Judaizers. And he wanted to address how to live a joyous Christian life. A true joy which is not based on your circumstances. True joy is not based on what you have or what you don't have. How you live in this world, you know, material possessions. True joy is not based on our circumstances. So that's a great thing that Paul addressed um, here at the church in the book of Philippians. And that's something that we should learn as we live in the world today because this world is truly about what you have. This world is truly about material possessions, which Material possessions does not bring us true joy. Let me tell you, I've been, I've been there. I've been high and I've been low, as, as Paul began to say in the scriptures, you know. He is content. He's learned, he learned how to be content, which we will talk about that also here in the book of Philippians. How to be content in whatever state that we are in. We can abound or we can be abased, but we want to be content and we want to live in true joy. Now, the Philippian or the book of Philippians has many popular quotes in it, often used by believers and such as I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a proclamation that we should proclaim on a daily basis why because of the enemy because of those principalities because of those powers those rulers of darkness of this world and those spiritual wickedness in high places we have to proclaim this every day get it in our spirit and the book of philippians tells us about it i can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is my strength and I can do it. I can live in unity. I can live a joyous life. I can do it. I can suffer as Christ did. I can do it. Why? Because Christ strengthens me. Why? Because Christ was tempted in all points, in all aspects as we are today Christ when he came here to earth in the likeness of human flesh 
And we're going to talk about some something about that here in the book of Philippians as well. When Jesus Christ came down here, he felt as we felt. He cried as we cried. He moaned as we moaned. He experienced everything that we as humans experience. He did it. Why? Because he wanted to give us a reason to survive because he's already done it. He did it. He was tempted in all aspects. He was tempted in all points, but he was without sin. So therefore we can go boldly to the throne of grace. We can get down on our knees or however we pray. We can pray unto God and we can go boldly there. Why? Because Jesus was tempted in all points. Everything that we go through on today, Jesus has already been through it. So he understands. He can, he, he can, um, um, trying to think of the word but he understands what we're going through he can feel us he can feel our pain he can feel our torment he can feel our anxiety our aggravation he can feel all of that why because he's already been through it he was tempted by the devil you can go to mark uh, matthew to chapter four and read how the devil came and tempted jesus but you know jesus had a word for him that's why it's very important for us to get the word on the inside of us. When the devil comes to tempt us, we can speak the word of God, which is our sword. Our sword that goes back to our whole armor of God, our weapon of warfare. Our sword of the spirit is the word of God. So that's why it's important for us to know the word of God and do just as Jesus did and tell the devil it is written. The word speaks or the word states. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What could Satan do with that? He could do nothing with it because it's the rules, the principles. My God from Zion the laws and the statutes of God. Yes. So the word of God, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. This is a proclamation that we need to say on a daily basis because yes, the devil will come and make you feel like you cannot do it. But yes, you can. Why do I say yes, you can? Because the word says you can do all things through Christ. It's through Christ now, not on our own accord. Through Christ who strengthens us, not on our own strength. It's through Christ that strengthens us, which allows us to do it all, which allows us to go through it all, which allows us to live a joy-filled life. Now, however, the portrait of Jesus Christ is a humble is of a humble servant is the core of the teachings of the book of Philippians yes there are many quotes there that we want to hang on to for dear life because we're going to need it need those quotes to fight in this battle however the book of Philippians 
It's a portrait of Jesus Christ as a humble servant. Yes, a humble servant. Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. Now, Paul directed the minds of the believers of Jesus Christ. He taught them to live in harmony uh, with one another by having mutual humility. We all have to live in humility. And my God, from Zion, we have to renounce those spirits of pride and haughtiness and arrogance and vanity ego we have to renounce all of that stuff we have to uh, turn away from it why because god does not like it he does not like it at not one bit and we can call it the spirit of leviathan if you've ever heard of that the spirit of leviathan look that up read about the spirit of leviathan pride walking around in pride like you uh 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 own something or like you uh, have done something great listen let me tell you god is the maker and the creator of all things you don't own nothing god made you god made us we don't own anything uh we're just travelers through this land we're, we're on a a, a trap we're on a, a a vacation if you will we're just traveling through this land um, because God is the one that gave us life and God is the one that's going to take it away from us. So to walk around in pride is, is um, for lack of a better word, that is stupid. We do not want to walk around in pride because he gives us what we have, uh, um, uh, our possessions, our natural possessions, our homes, our cars, our whatever it, the case may be. God gives that. He allows us to gain those uh, material possessions. But listen, let me tell you, just like that, God can take those material possessions away from you. Uh, we may think that we have power because we have a little bit of knowledge or we're in some type of position uh, on our job in the church or what have you. We may have pride because of what we have or a family or we may be a member of a certain family uh, that has power or what have you or has money or what have you but listen that is no reason to walk around in pride we have to lose that pride we have to be in humility why because just as god has given it that just as fast as he has given it to us or allowed us to have it he can take it away from us he can take away whatever that thing is that makes us feel proud that makes us walk around in arrogance or uh or vanity or you know have a, a certain ego about ourselves so no that is not what we want to do and if that spirit is uh uh following us or trying to live on the inside of us what do we do we renounce it I renounce pride, I renounce ego, I renounce arrogance, I renounce vanity. And once we renounce it and we turn away from it and we invite humility into our hearts, we invite um, a lowliness in, into our heart, we invite the mind of Jesus Christ into our heart, which we will talk about that in chapter 2. 
having the mind of Christ on the inside of us. And what was the mind of Christ? He walked in humility. He made himself as a servant. Yes, I said a servant. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a God, a one of a part of the Trinity. Yes, he came down here. He is a spirit being and he came down here in the likeness of flesh. He went into flesh to live down here to experience the things that we experience. He did it because he loves us and he did it in humility. Just like the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, Christ that strengthens me. I always want to say Christ Jesus, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, I can live in humility. Why? Because Christ strengthens me. And why? Because I invite the mind of Christ in my mind. And why? Because I bring my mind into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ as the scripture tells me why because that is a weapon of my warfare is to bring my mind into captivity my very thoughts into captivity unto the obedience of Jesus Christ and what was Jesus Christ he walked in humility praise God Paul encouraged the people the saints the believers by telling him his story yes he told them a bit of his story in the book of philippians and we will get to that how he poured out his life as an offering for the sake of christ paul a true apostle Paul, the one that did not walk with Jesus Christ. Paul, the one that Jesus ambushed on the road uh, to Damascus. Yes, Paul was trapping. Paul, the one that persecuted the church. I mean, Paul was outright persecuting the church. He would go into their homes and drag them out to have them persecuted he was Saul back then but but the Lord changed his name to Paul yes this is that same one who persecuted the church this is the same one that stood there and watched Stephen being stoned to death this is that same Saul yes he is the one that wrote this book <laughs> he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, the same person that Jesus ambushed on the road to Damascus and changed his life forever. This is the one that was stoned and beat many a times. The one that was put in prison many a times for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have we been put in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? No, I think not. Now, when I began to do this study, I felt very, um, I felt very bad. I felt, um, yeah, I felt some type of way in the, in the words of the people today because, you know, we live and we go through our circumstances and our situations and you know we get all upset about it and we 
say, Lord, Lord, I can't do this and I can't do that. And, you know, we cry about it. But when you look at what the Christians went through back in the Bible days, how they were uh, persecuted beyond measure, beyond thoughts. I can think of how the Christians in um, um, Rome or, or how King Nero burned them at the stake or how they put they were put in the lion's dens and things of that nature and they were persecuted unto death stoned and beat nobody has stoned me nobody has beat me i haven't been put in prison because of preaching the gospel of jesus christ but then i have the nerve i have the audacity to cry unto the Lord, oh, woe is me, woe is me, my God from Zion. But when you read the stories about what others have gone through as being true Christians, let me say that again, as being true Christians. I'm not talking about those that speak about Christianity out of their mouth and they do something different. True Christians, those that love God from the bottom of their heart. When we read those stories, when we hear those stories, then we should be ashamed of ourselves when we're moaning and groaning, uh, you know, about simple things, basically. So, yeah, I felt some type of way when I um, dug deep into the book of Philippians and found out you know, the things that Paul had to go through. And not only Paul, but the Philippian church, they were being persecuted as well. So, okay, let's reel it back in and get back to my notes. Now, Paul encouraged them by telling them his story, how he poured out his life as an offering for the sake of Jesus Christ, which led to his great joy and contentment so we're going to talk about that great joy and contentment thus as allowing christ to be the center of our lives we too can live in true joy yes i said we can live in true joy if we allow christ to be the center of our lives now, Paul conveyed a powerful message about the secrets of contentment, which we will learn about. In spite of his hardships, his poverty, his beatings, his illness, and his imprisonment, Paul learned to be content, which was rooted in knowing Jesus Christ. So if we know Jesus Christ, if we truly know him, we can learn how to be content. The key to lasting contentment is found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ is the ultimate example. Following his patterns of humility and sacrifice, we too can find joy in all of our circumstances. Yes, so it's all about Jesus Christ. Once we learn more and get more into Jesus Christ and you know, as a matter of fact, that could be a great teaching, a great learning for us to, you know, study or to talk about Jesus Christ and his humility and, and his sacrifices and what he did for the people of God. So maybe, maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Now, Paul was perhaps apprehensive that his execution was close 
However, he hoped to visit the Philippian church again. Paul welcomed death, but he knew the importance of continuing his work in the gospel. He exhorted the readers to remain steadfast in their faith and to imitate the humility of Jesus Christ in which he became obedient to the death on the cross. So Jesus humbled himself even unto the death on the cross. My God from Zion. So now that I did a little bit of uh, background, we will get into chapter one and we're going to talk about uh, what chapter one has to say to us and what chapter one or what I gleaned out of chapter one for myself. I want to share that to you as well. What stood out to me and also we want to talk about the most famous quote that a lot of believer, believers quote from chapter one of the book of Philippians. Remember, there's only four chapters in the book of Philippians. And we're going to talk, talk about chapter one <laughs> on the next episode of Sister Alley Cat's Tea. Since I did a bunch of rambling today, next episode, we will get directly into chapter one, which talks about the joy in living for Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to Sister Alley Cat's Tea where we talk about all things church related and in this short series we are talking about the book of Philippians which is called the letter of joy written by the Apostle Paul, a great and tremendous man of God. I will talk with you soon. Be blessed. And I love you guys. Alrighty. Bye-bye.